Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Kareen, or whatever. Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa. Yeah, whatever. Welcome to welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Cohen. With me is St. Dan, who will be taking my place because I'm going to go crawl back into bed. And my co-host, all the way from the UK, Mr. Steve Parson. Without further ado, good night and God bless. And to all, a good night. And Kat is here, too. I am loitering in the background. <laughs> well, I say Merry Christmas and <clears throat> Happy New Year to everyone as well. You sound like you've got a bit of a cold as well, Jan. Uh, no, I'm okay. It was just a little frog in my throat. I guess I'm not. I'm not wanted then. So uh, I'll leave okay, you two. Right. You were going to do a grand introduction, weren't you? No, I was going to do the tumbleweed introduction and say that Ron stuck out to uh, out with the, out with the boys tonight, but he's obviously spoiled it by being there. I hope he gets better soon, though. Yeah, I do too. Be lousy if he was feeling lousy for Christmas. It is peaceful without him, though, isn't it? Yes, it is actually. <laughs> Oh, this is a unique version of Ghost Chronicles International. This is our annual, third annual Nightmare Before Christmas. And tonight's nightmare is dedicated to Van Helsing, who's having his own nightmare. That he is. And we just saw that movie the other night. It was cute. And now we know where that little Santa Claus thing that you gave us fits into the scheme of things. <laughs> We managed to find there's a, a local um, glassmaker who made a Jack Skellington head for us to put on our Christmas tree. Very festive. Now that's very interesting, and that's unique, too. We may have some guests later on in the shape of a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, so it might be spontaneous. We might have whispering well, going on in the background. It's been rehearsed for the last 20 seconds. It's been rehearsed for the last 20 seconds. Well, I look forward to seeing your beautiful little boys. Well, they're going to sing us a song, and I'll say they don't get my, the singing skills from me. <laughs> or me. Or Steve. <laughs> the howling yeah. sound was actually him singing before. Oh. So what are your plans for Christmas this year then, Jan? Well, um, Christmas Eve, I'm going to my nephew's house. My sister will be there along with her daughter, son-in-law, and her uh, Tracy's two kids. We're all going over Chris's house, so it'll be all um, my side of the family. My brother passed away um, in 1984, and my uh, sister lost her husband about eight years ago. But it's as much family as we have, and you know we'll get together and enjoy ourselves. And seeing the young kids is really fun. I like that. On Christmas Eve, uh, it's a bit of a tradition with us. Um, I haven't been able to do it the past few years. We sacrifice a goat. We do not sacrifice <laughs> a goat. And if you're not careful, I'll sacrifice you. Um, we go to the chapel where my grandparents used to um, 
well, assist in preaching from the pulpit, and they're buried in the graveyard there. So we tend to go to their grave and sing a song and light some lanterns and leave them um, burning throughout Christmas Eve. Then the lanterns, that is, not the graves. Not the graves, no. We 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 don't burn the graves, no. Yeah. No, that, that sounds like upon. that is lovely. That is lovely to have to have that continuity. And every time I watch. Um, Midsummer murders, and I see these lovely old churches with their graveyards. And you know, the churches are, you know, six, seven hundred years old in some cases, and it's really impressive to me, anyway. I, I remember my brother started researching our family history, and we lived in a Roman village uh, 2,000 years ago. Not 2,000 years ago, <laughs> not that old. Yeah, you knew Christ, you were for his name. We all lived in Roman villages 2,000 years ago. Yes, but I lived, I lived in a village that used to be a Roman town Ooh. when I was little. Yeah, the, Roman, the Romans are a bit like... He doesn't shut up. Yeah, but the I, Romans are a bit like bugs, they were everywhere. This one was an important one. Oh. Yes, go away. Well, we only have one to fight tonight, and not two, so maybe we'll be able to keep uh, keep a lid on, right? <laughs> oh, we live in hope. Yes. But it turned out in this village, some of the older graves were ancestors of ours, and we weren't originally from that town. So it, they were just tradespeople passing through, passed away, and they got buried in the local churchyard. Wow. Yeah, and all those years we'd lived there, we didn't know we had family buried in the graveyard. That just blows my mind. I mean, I love to read history anyways, as you know, uh, Steve. Um, but especially in England and in Europe, I mean, we're only like 250 years old as a country, um, formally, you know, as the United States. But uh, your history goes back, you know, like you said, to the Roman times, and it's... <laughs> It's really amazing. Didn't have to have independence. You could have stayed. Oh, well, we were, we were teenagers. We were rebellious. We didn't want to listen to you. And you got you got your representation and you got your taxes. Oh, that is... <laughs> and our king just went mad. Yes, poor thing. But it wasn't his fault. He wasn't mad. He actually had a, a disease that made him sound like it was crazy, but it was a physical disease. There's new evidence to say that he didn't have porphyria, which is oh, what they really? thought it was. So we'll, we'll wait with bated breath to see whether that was the case or not. But they're saying that there's evidence of other illnesses that could have caused it. But the whole family were barking mad. Yeah, the Germans, you know. <laughs> as, as all good royal families should be. Hey, we've got an American royal family now. We have got an American well, we have coming in. Yeah. Oh, Megan, yes, Yay! yes. And I hope those boys are really happy because they certainly deserve it. But will she go by Megan or will she go by Rachel? Is that her middle name or something? Her first name is actually Rachel. And oh. Catherine was always known as Kate. Right. Always known as Kate. But she suddenly become Catherine. Which I think is very pretty anyway. But um, wow. I'm sure we will find out about how the names. wonder what Karina would go as. What, what would you be? Princess what? Um, I'm not too sure. I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> would you stay as Princess Karina or would you change No, it she'd to... be Duchess, wouldn't she? I don't know. Or would you change Megan's it to Megan's going to be else? a Duchess. Yeah. Well, 
I wonder, but, but that's actually a really good question. Will she be Rachel or will she be Megan? Hmm. Well, I mean, there's no, there's no guarantee that Charles will be Charles III when he ascends mm -hmm. the throne because um, he could, like, like his Victoria was Alexander, well, like his grandfather, Victoria. George the Sixth was actually his name was Albert. Mm -hmm. Right, and it was too German. So he could, you know, they can pick any name. And Victoria was Alexandrina. They could do something really modern, couldn't they? Like oh. Justin. Yeah. Or Chuck. I guess that doesn't sound too good, though, uh, King Chuck. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> I like I that. Know, it, appeal, it appeals to the mass market. Oh it? gosh, yes. You've met Charles, haven't you? I have. Yes. yes. Oh, <laughs> oh, Cal, go away. <laughs> yeah, it's ringing here too. Yeah, it's always Cal. He always try. He's been trying for ages to get back on the show. Oh, Cal! Telephone call from the dead. I wonder which one it is. But um, I'm glad to see that. Prince uh, <laughs> Charles seems to be happy now, and I'm really glad for that because uh, you know. Everybody can make a, anybody can make a mistake, and everybody goes through hardships and things like that. But um, it was his family who originally blocked the relationship with Camilla. Right. Yep. Because yeah, well, the children's got looking like horses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh you look at Princess Anne. I mean, there's a horse in a wig. Oh, you're so oh she nice. is. She's a horse in a wig. <laughs> But she's a good equestrian. I mean, she was in the Olympics, so... Uh, she is good equestrian. Her daughter is exceptionally good. Oh, really? Zara. Yeah, she's married to an English rugby player. Oh, good for her. Yes. We don't hear too much about Princess Anne's children. Uh, she seems to keep a real low profile. Well, because she's... It came out that Princess Charlotte will be the same. When she marries, her children will not inherit the title of prince or princess unless the monarch decides that they can have it. Oh, okay. So Princess Anne rejected it. Ooh. She didn't want her children to grow up with titles. Well, you know, in her case, I think that was very sensible. You know? But... Uh, there's a new TV series you've got to look out for, Jan. Yeah. Have you seen The Crown yet? No, but I've heard about it. I've seen, um, you know, previews and stuff like that, and I definitely do want to watch it. <laughs> Anything about royalty and history, especially in England, is uh, you know, it's like catnip to me. I really love it. You will love this one. It's all about Prince Philip and his naughty ways. Oh, I just finished a book about Lilibet. The name that, you know, Queen Elizabeth is known to her immediate family. And, yeah, he was an SOB at times. Very much so, as was Princess Margaret's husband. He, yeah. he dabbled in a lot of things in his life. Karina is going nuts on this one. <laughs> well, Princess Margaret also sounds like she was thoroughly spoiled, to my way of thinking, and from what I've heard, but, I mean, you know. Yeah, but if you can't be a royal princess and be spoiled, when can you be? But if you look at William, William's pretty much done he's what he's... He's losing his hair, though, isn't he? William's pretty much done oh what he's... Oh, my God, William's gone bald. So have you. Yeah, I was always bald. I was, <laughs> bald. I was born bald. 
<laughs> Please let Kat finish what she's saying. Yes. You <laughs> but I was born that way, Karina. I was born bald. He wasn't. I have evidence of <laughs> I all have, over. I have photographs. please. I have got photographs of him with his hair crimped by using sugar water <laughs> whilst wearing a kilt. You're only six months old. You weren't six months old. You were a punk. <laughs> now that's a picture I would like to see. I'll send it to you. Oh, please do. Please do. I, I was saying that William is well behaved like Elizabeth was. But yeah. Harry getting caught up to all sorts of mischief is a bit like Margaret was. Never going to inherit the throne. Right. So, so just enjoying themselves. And that's what Margaret did, but she never seemed to be able to get out of that. Um, okay. You know, I, I think she lived a, lived a useless life, but that's only my opinion, and I'm probably going to get hate mail for saying that, but... Direct all hate mail to Jan at toggynetradio.com. <laughs> Hey, watch The Crown first, and you'll see Jan's right. Well, I'm definitely going to watch that. And like I said, the book that I read about um, Lilibet, and um, he was just a bad boy and didn't care who he offended or what he said at, you know, at what time or whatever. I mean, he was just, just full of himself. He, he's... He's mellowed with age, and you can guarantee... How much he can get up to at 90? Come on, mellowed yeah. with age. He doesn't have the energy to be anything other but mellow. <laughs> he's 90 years old, he's Compared mellowed Compared to age. how he was, <laughs> yes. he's still quite naughty. Last time they came down to um, open a building down here, part of their royal duties, the Queen came down, and he went in a separate car. And they've closed off part of the town so that he could walk through to his car. And there weren't many people there because they didn't know he was there. Oh, so we're all being blocked off and we're a bit annoyed because we don't know why we've been stopped. And he comes out and we all sort of go, eh. Hey. Right, so it's him, yeah. So in response to that, his wave was two fingers circled in the air. Good on him. Might have done exactly the same. What did he say to, was it in China when he went visiting in China? Or was it assumed, Hong Kong? No, he went to China. Yeah, and he, he said... A state visit to China. Yeah, state visit. And he says, don't stay here too long. You'll go all slitty-eyed. <laughs> Talk about being politically incorrect. Exactly. That's one of the great things about the Duke of Edinburgh. I mean, people knock him, but he's actually, he's a hugely... He's very dry. He's very um, affectionately thought of. Yeah, because he's like the naughty. Yeah, and the queen, the queen, you know, when, when, you know, unfortunately, when when Philip goes, I mean, you know, the queen will be devastated. She is her rock. Seventy years yeah. been together. You know, I mean, the early oh, days of marriage might have been rocky, whilst, but I think that was more state protocol than anything else. You know, the fact that she had to be the queen and. He was a very strong man. He was destined to be the head of the British Royal Navy. And he had to give up his career to walk three paces behind his wife. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I understand that perfectly. That must have been a real bitter pill to swallow. And he should have been given a better title than just Prince Philip. He should have been King Consort because they are only... Um, England is a constitutional monarchy, so it's not like he would have you know, gained any real power, but, you know, 
they did the same thing to Prince Albert, I know, but um, I do think he got shafted in a way. Yeah, yeah I mean, he didn't even leave it. He hasn't, well, he hasn't left the label. We've got the Duke of Edinburgh Awards, and, you know, I mean, I suppose that's done marginally more good than the Christmas tree. Oh, definitely. The Duke of Edinburgh Awards are um, sort of, in a way, like scouting, aren't they? like a more advanced version of scouting where they're scaled. You've got your bronze, your silver and your gold um, Duke of Edinburgh Awards where you have you get abandoned in the middle of nowhere and have to get yourself to the checkpoint using what you've got with you. Um, there's charity activities and things like that and that all goes towards your award and he presents it. He invented it. You go up to, is it Kensington they presented that? Well, he created the Yeah. Thing. Um, but then you've got the Prince's Trust with Prince Charles. Right. You do something similar again. They, they've all got their activities that they like to run. Yeah. Oh, and Check. that I do completely understand. Yeah. I mean, Victor Games. Invictus Games, yeah. Bake Harry. Off. Yep. Bake Off is not the royal family. <laughs> no. Mary Berry's in it. I Mary think. Berry should be royalty. She thinks she's royalty. <laughs> she should be royalty. She is so typically British. When I watch her, it's just so fun to you know hear her voice and the way she you know talks and communicates and everything. Well, she's just done a new series here where she goes to all of the stately homes in Britain uh, or to some of the major stately homes in Britain. And honestly, you'd swear she has become the Queen Mother. <laughs> if ever there was a woman born to be a royal, on the basis of making a few cakes... But a small, tenuous link for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Paul Hollywood used to go oh, yeah, to right. college with Stephen. He did. I really? went to with yes. Paul Hollywood. And he used to bring in cakes. Wow. Well, bread rolls. Yeah, from the family bit, Hollywood yeah. Bakery. They had a, bake a bakery store in the town, and he went to... The same art college, same classes I was in at art college for um, two years, a year, year, year or two, before he became famous and I became just a ghost hunter. Oh, not just a ghost hunter. What? Well, I like being just a ghost hunter, though. Yeah, but you're so much more than that. Doesn't make as much money as being a baker, though. No, not when you're Paul Hollywood. No. And you get sent all over the world to try different types of baking. Yeah. There's an no idea. They could send me all over the world. I could try different types of ghosting. Ghosting, yes. <laughs> Just ghosting about the place. Oh. Steve did once have the opportunity um, to look at ghosts in a royal castle, though, didn't you? Oh. You were offered, and who were you offered by? Prince Charles. And and did you? Who gave you his private secretary's number? Yes, he did. And you thought he was just being polite and didn't phone. Yes. Yes. Prince Charles, who was there, going, "Oh yes, Grandmama talked about the ghosts of Glass." <laughs> yes, I did hear about. I, the, I, should really, I should explain for the benefit of the the, the other two listeners um, that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Several years ago, I was... Um, Two weeks after we got married. I was um, requested to work for a British uh, national daily newspaper um, who were doing the inevitable Halloween ghost feature. And we were working at a stately home in Gloucestershire. 
and it actually was the adjoining property to Charles's property at Highgrove. And a little while into the evening, um, the lady of the manor said, oh, supper's ready in the kitchen. Um, I hope you don't mind. We, we've got a visitor or two. So we went down to the kitchen, um, stopped what we were doing myself and the journalist. Kitchen that was the size of a barn. No, it was just yeah. a normal... No, it was just a, they lived in one wing of the of the of the home, and um, Prince Charles walked in, wow. which, was bit, which was a bit of a surprise. In jeans and a check shirt, wasn't it? And you're not quite sure how to address him, you know, uh, because you know when you meet the heir to the throne on a formal occasion, he would be your royal highness, right. Uh, but how would you address him, you know, in the kitchen of somebody's house when he's just popped in for supper? Um, so he, uh, well, fortunately, he broke the ice first and said, uh, just call me Charles. Oh, nice. And then he started to tell me about the ghosts of Buckingham Palace and his own fascination with ghosts, and then started to tell me about some of the stories, um, some of the ghosts of Highgrove. Oh, and, concluded by saying that he would love to have me come visit um, and gave me the number of his private secretary. Yeah, he called you Young Stephen, the um, ghost hunter. <laughs> unfortunately, I... No, it was Robbie Williams. I, <laughs> I I lost my nerve at that point. Well, I never... It's you thought he was being polite. Well, yeah, I mean, in, in Britain, when you go on holiday, you often, you know, you'll, you'll meet somebody, you exchange addresses, and you say, oh, if you're ever in the area, do pop in, and you hope to God that they never do. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what he was. He didn't have to say anything to you. Yes, but it's one of those... I mean, there is a, <clears throat> a series of books that are going around at the moment, aren't there? And video very, things. very British Very problems. British problems, and that's one of them. People, you know, it's a British thing to invite somebody, um, but you do hope most of the time they don't turn up. Well, they should know that the invitation is just a courtesy, not... Uh... Yeah. And that's how I understood Charles's invitation, but it turned out it was probably a real one. Um, I don't think he'd be offended. Now, if if it was Ron... Oh, he'd be offended. Realize, Ron would be offended. Realising now the error, would he make contact? All right. See, I would. Yeah. I'd make contact and say, I misplaced your details. For seven and a half years. Uh, no. For nine and a half years. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I would just like to offer the opportunity to His Royal Highness if he would like me to still come and take a look at it. And they can politely decline. Exactly. You're not speaking to him directly. You're speaking to his secretary. Exactly. So. Dear Flunky. Dear Flunky. Nothing, nothing gained, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, he'll never do it. Not happening. But yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. Oh yeah, his grandmother was fascinated by ghosts. Oh yeah, the Queen Mother um, was deeply interested in the paranormal. In fact, Charles is. Um, I think men, several members of the royal family have got more than a passing interest in ghosts and the paranormal. Given the considering, yeah, considering all the houses, uh, you know, estates, and you know historical building and stuff like that uh, in the bloody history in Scotland no less um, I you know I can't imagine why there wouldn't be that kind of activity in, well, in it I, and I also you know I 
not quite sure whether it's just the history or whether because um, Victoria was said to dabble in spiritualism and held and was reported to have held seances uh, in an she attempt in to Albert. yeah and there was yeah. also there was also uh, stories circulating at the time that John Brown um, was supposedly psychic or oh, a killing. seer. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know about this new Indian uh, chap who's in the new Abdul. movie Abdul. Um, but she she did seem to be one for the boys. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> well, you know, spiritualism was very big then because of, uh, was it the um, Crimean War? Again, like in the United States, the Civil War, so many, you know, families losing young sons and stuff like that, that, you know, they're, they're grasping at straws to get some kind of comfort at their loss. There's no doubt about that. It, I mean, spiritualism here in the UK re- really reached its height following the First World War, or during right. the First World War, in fact, because yeah, yeah. of the huge carnage of the of the battlefields in, in Europe. And lots of famous people started to dabble in it. Well, uh, including Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Rudyard Kipling, another mm-hmm. one who lost his son during the First World War. And it became uh, the the problem was as, as was identified is it was also became a fertile ground for charlatan mediums. To, exactly. Yes. And 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 people selling charms um, on station platforms to troops as they left for for overseas, you know, lucky charms. Yeah. Um, there was actually a government uh, bill passed to prevent them doing that um, at the time. Because yeah. these people were, you know, sort of hanging around stations offering bullets with your name on it and other lucky charms to ensure your safe return from the battlefields of France. Oh, how can you, they live with themselves doing something like that? That's hard. Well, people make money, don't they? Yeah, I guess so. They have no scruples. I remember a story from my grandmother relating. I'm going to start selling scruples. Shut up. <laughs> relating to the Second World War, where um, her brother had been known to be at Dunkirk, but they'd lost contact with him, and they were waiting for the letter to say he died. And she remembered hearing the footsteps coming down the hallway, jumped out of her father's chair, thinking it was her father. And next thing that arrived was a telegram saying he was safe. He was in a concentration camp, but he was safe. Oh, so, my gosh. So my grandmother said, always said right to the end that she, she swears that was her brother's footsteps letting her know that he was okay. Exactly. That he was coming home. Hark, I can hear footsteps letting us know that we're coming up to an outbreak. That is right. Do you know how to handle this, Steve? Oh, I think so. Okay. <laughs> we'll just jabber on for about another thir- for about another 20 seconds and then the tunes will automatically start oh thank you and then I'll bring us back to part 2 I can hear little voices in the background oh goody goody so yeah so you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International the night before Nightmare Before Christmas live on Togginet Para X and possibly iTunes catch us back after the break Are we going to read the, um... Yeah, I sent the script over. Oh, good, yeah, I, I have the, the, uh, the words. Shoot.
Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parrax family. As the phantom guitarist slips away into the snowy night. Welcome to the Nightmare Before Christmas, the Ghost Chronicles International Christmas Special Edition. And the date is the 19th of December 2017. Unfortunately, Van Helsing has been kidnapped by the Krampus. And so, with our Nightmare Before Christmas specials, we always traditionally hand over to the girls. St. Jan and the Lady Catherine. Hello. God, that was posh. (laughs) (laughs) But we're not on our own. No, we were joined during the outbreak by the littlest ghost hunters. Are your names? Ethan! Oscar! (laughs) Oh, hello, boys. Hello! Hello! (laughs) You're going to tell everybody how old you are. I'm seven and I'm four. Really? getting very grown up now and they've both done their Christmas concerts at school where Ethan dazzled everybody as an innkeeper. Very Um, nice, Ethan. He he was able to uh, shoehorn in a wonderful dance that wasn't scripted. (laughs) And Oscar was a shepherd who showed everybody his underwear (laughs) and wiped his nose on his sleeve. And then he took out a child to his left-hand side. So they both did wonderful, didn't you? You sang lots of songs. Are you going to sing a song for everyone? What song do you want to sing? I think they've rehearsed one earlier. They have. No, yeah. But they've now suddenly gone very shy, haven't you? Yeah, Mozzie. You sing too. 
We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. The tidings we bring to you and your king. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you, thank you. Actually, there's a better version that Ozzy's got. If everyone remembers the great George Michael hit <laughs> last Christmas. Which is which, which, which. I made it up. <laughs> How did you? He didn't make that up. Last Christmas, I gave you love, but the very next day, you sold it on eBay. <laughs> now, Daddy decided it would be great fun to teach Oscar not to sing his songs in the school concert and to sing a different Cousin at the jungle, had yeah. a belly ache, need to go to the toilet, too late. <laughs> As you can see, he's a wonderful influence on these little ghost hunters. <laughs> but they've been ghost hunting. They have. Tell them about your ghost hunting. <laughs> no, you're not going to tell them. Hang on, more ghost hunting. When you were just over three weeks old... We had an international magazine come and take photos of you and Daddy, and you were the world's youngest ghost hunter. And I was also... Because you were a baby in a car seat, and we used you in an experiment. Wow. Because that's what, that's what we do with our children. We use them for experiments. Did you put me in acid? No, you crazy fool. That would have been cool, because I would have been... You would have melted. Wasn't it Cosm was it Cosmopolitan? Cosmopolitan Russia. <laughs> Oh, that's but, pretty impressive. Compared they, on his resume. He had a ghost, he had his ghost hunter's uniform. Yeah, um, and he had his own little case. High-vis jacket, he had a, an equipment case with a radio, a tool. A bottle of milk. A bottle of milk, yeah. Oh. Don't fuck in a pen. Yeah, he couldn't hold them, but... Yeah, but they were there. And okay. Oscar's been ghost hunting with Daddy. Haven't you? Yeah, can you speak? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. And how do people become ghosts, Oscar? Because I need the jungle. No, no. no. <laughs> how do people become ghosts? Uh, how do we get ghosts? They get killed. They get killed. 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 And become ghosts. Good. What sort of ghosts do you uh, do you like? Are you scared of ghosts? No. Why? Because they don't scare me. What would you do if you saw a ghost? I would laugh at him. You would laugh at it. Are you frightened of ghosts, Ethan? No. What would you do if you saw a ghost? Oh. Suck him up the vacuum cleaner. Suck them up the they got their very own little Ghostbuster house with Ecto-1. And when we take them out to different places, we've got a video of the boys at Margham Castle, which was used in Doctor Who, Most Haunted, all the different channels. And Ozzy's there saying, I don't like spooky ghosts, but I like Casper the Friendly Ghost. And he's just wandering around, not bothered in the slightest. 
and I moved in a seat to make there was a weird noise around Margam and I looked at Ethan thinking he's going to be spooked out by this and he just looked at me and said mummy that was you <laughs> didn't you Unbelievable. Can I just, I'm just going to take a moment to explain to Ethan that this is radio so nodding nobody knows what you just said what you answered then because yeah. that's it you have to talk on radio it's not television oh. so you can't just nod so what's your favourite spooky place you've been to, Ethan? Uh, the attic. You like the attic? Mm-hmm. You find the attic spooky? Who have we got living in our attic at the moment? Uh, the bear? We have a bear who comes to stay with us every Christmas and makes lots of noise at night so nobody can go up in the attic at Christmas time. Except for Dad and two dream elves called Simon. Simon, his is Alexander. Um, they jumped, elves, out, they jumped they? out of the attic. Mm. And he teared open one of our elves called Bernard. He had to pass the cast for three days. We have quite a lot of elves on our shelves. Yeah, we've got, we got four, five elves. What? He's off. Robin. Robin. Christmas Robin. Oh, Christmas Robin. Yeah. I don't mean Robin. Our children are going to be paranoid when they're older. <laughs> All these things. There's Rufus who lives in the attic. He's the bear. Rufus the bear. Yeah, it's we about found the size out. of Paddington, surprisingly. We, we found out, didn't we, from the yeah. show? Yeah, you're not allowed to very browse at you, don't you? He pushed Daddy. Yes. He did. And he threw the holly down. Yes. And the mistletoe. So at the moment, our children have elves watching them. A Christmas robin that flies off and tells Santa everything. Santa who sees everything that they do. A bear that lives in the attic. So they can't get away with anything. (laughs) And that's the way it should be, right? Mm. Well... That works with Ethan, but the naughtier the elves get, Ozzy sees it as a challenge. Oh. That's how naughty he needs to be, don't you? Yeah? You've got to speak, sweet pea. Yes. 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 Actually, they're not, they're not just the only ghost hunters in the family. No, you've got the full set. Ethan became a ghost hunter at age three weeks. Three, three weeks, weeks and three days. But his sister had actually were, had gone full-time ghost hunting with me from age four mm-hmm. and had been on... She was, known, she was known by the age of six or seven as a scourge of psychics and mediums <laughs> um, because she, has that, she had that innocence that children have at that age. They can get away with things that the adults can't. And on one occasion, we, we had a sponsor for a while who, and the sponsor's sister had been watching far too many episodes of Most Haunted and had become a bit of a... Uh, a fan of Derek Akora using him his his style as as um, as a role model. <laughs> okay. And halfway through, so she wanted to conduct this seance. So as it was the sponsor's sister, we all agreed, and uh, she gave a fairly passing rendition of Derek on a bad day. <laughs> and, and at which point, during a, a quiet lull in the proceedings, Helen leaned forward and said, "She's just an old loony brain and a fraud." <laughs> in a voice just loud enough for everybody to hear. Well, of course, who can shout at a six-year-old? 
By the time <laughs> Helen hit double digits, she was known as the psychic slayer. Very nice. Oh, that's so cute. No, she still doesn't. She can't get away with it as much as she did before, though. Because, like you said, the innocence of it. Nobody took offence at it. Quite the message. Well, quite off. recently, she was at work, and um, one of her <laughs> one of her work colleagues was espounding the paranormal to her, and uh, telling her all about a program called Most Haunted. <laughs> and Helen, Helen was going, "Oh yeah, really? Yeah, uh huh, uh huh. Well, let me tell you something." <laughs> <laughs> And put, and put them properly in their the place. The bear's thumping in the attic. He was. He was just thumping in the attic then, wasn't he? Naughty bear. You go and tell him off. Go on, Red. You go and tell him off. Tell him to go to sleep up there. Go and watch your film now. Say goodnight to everybody. Night-night. Go to sleep. No guarantees he won't be back. What are you doing? I'm trying to close the door. What, by wrecking the office? Yeah, well, you know, there's so much stuff in here. I swear. Anyway, we have a radio show to get on. Yes, Steve's office is like a museum. I think I understand that. You should see Ronnie's office. Is it cluttered or is it tidy? Oh, it's cluttered. In cellar. If you looked up the definition of clutter in the dictionary... They have a picture of my husband's office and his picture, right, on the definition. I've got to be fair to Steve. Everything has a place. And he knows where everything is. It didn't tell you just broke it all by falling all over it. I didn't break it. I just adjusted a few things. (laughs) Ronnie has piles and piles and piles of stuff. And that makes me crazy. I mean... I've always been an office worker, and I'm extremely neat and organized, and, you know, files for everything, organized, and his way of dealing with stuff is just to make piles, and it just makes me crazy. But that's how it works. This is, I think, one of about four occasions each year I'm allowed into Steve's office. Oh. And I've been honored today. I've been allowed to bring in a glass of water because I've got a bit of a cough going on. But otherwise, no liquids unless they're uh, gin and tonic for him or a coffee. <laughs> this is his sanctuary, I think. Yes. Yes, I get that. I have one little corner of Ronnie's office where I have a small desk unit. Um, it, like, fits in the corner. And um, I don't know. He just likes to spread out and have his stuff. So, Actually, my wife's being disingenuous to me there because she started to do a Psychology uh, and business and accounting degree this year. Oh, and really? she, she was wondering where she would sit and do her, her work for her university course. And I said, Well, we can easily find some space and move an extra table into the office. Yeah. And she refused, didn't want it. I refused because he'll constantly be tidying up my space. <laughs> <laughs> My wife is like the female version of Ron. I'm not that bad. You are. I'm not. You are. Have you got a corner in this house, apart from in this room, that you haven't filled up with clutter? Two? On the stairs? Exactly. In the porch? My wife is a female version of Ron. I'm constantly tidying. She puts tidy things away by actually... putting it in piles. 
I'm constantly tidying. I never get around to finishing tidying because small people appear. You were like that as a teenager, your mother said. No, I was worse as a teenager. <laughs> Much worse as a teenager. To the point where my mum just basically would open the door, hand a cup of tea around and say, if I don't see it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> Sometimes it's mad to ignore what you can't control. Exactly. She said, as long as it doesn't encroach onto the hallway. But she'll say the same thing. I was constantly tidy in the room, so she didn't know how I had mess everywhere. Well, you know, I think it's just a, a, a thing of personalities because um, I had a woman that I used to work with, and she said, you're so obsessive-compulsive. And um, she left, and I took her job, and she said, now, don't go around fussing and rearranging this. And so she was with me with us for another two weeks, and I was patient. But when she left, I took the notebooks that were all messy, and one by one, I straightened and tidied everything out. <laughs> but that's just the way I am. I mean, it's it's my personality. I can't can't stand it. So I I wish I could be that way. It's it, just it's easy. You just put everything away afterwards. Yeah, but I don't have enough space to put everything. That's the problem. You've taken over the attic now because you had so much. That's why you're off. Hang on. I've, I've, I've finally figured out what's going on here, everyone. My husband, when he gets mess, boxes it up and sticks it in the attic. So now the attic is overflowing, but his office looks tidy. But it's all labelled. Maybe labelled. She wasn't kidding before when she said that people aren't allowed in here. In fact, when, when I'm away from here... Um, he puts a CCTV camera in the <laughs> that's motion detected, Jan. So when he's in the States, he knows if I've been in here. Oh, I would have thought you would say he locked the door, but that's even more... Uh... No, he can't lock the door because he needs the air to flow through so it, that there's no risk of any damage to the things in here. But seriously, there is a motion detector camera <laughs> in the office. Oh, to man. the point where I... Which first, I can access on my mobile yeah, phone. Yeah, the first that. few days he's away, if there's washing or stuff of his, I've got to bring it in and leave it in his office for him to sort when he gets back. He'll know I've been in here. Oh, unbelievable. unbelievable. It's, it, it, it is rather disturbing. People get invited into here. People get invited into our home, but they're not allowed up this far. They're allowed to look through the door. That, that is my office. Go no further. <laughs> Sacred place. He wants it all to himself. Pretty much. It's not about the space. It's about the stuff that's in the space. It's all in a... You understand, Jack. You put things in a particular place. Yes, I do. And when people go into the... Into, you know, they, they, they might not know how, where you want things. And with the best will in the world... They'll put things where they, they think they ought to be. Right, and it irritates because yep. it's not, and you have to go and sort it out. We went on holiday a few years ago to Ireland, and I have a touch of, I, I like things to be <laughs> properly placed. <laughs> and there was a notice board in the kitchen, wasn't there, darling? Yes, there was. There was a notice board in the kitchen, and all the pins were put into them in a random way. So I go out into the kitchen, and it was skew if the board itself was hanging at a, a wonky angle. Till I saw it. 
So Steve goes to make himself a coffee is the first thing that he does after unpacking the car, cup of coffee. And I go into the kitchen and he straightened it and he straightened the pins on the board in a perfect line. Yep. So the first thing I did was I made it wonky again and moved the pins. <laughs> and every time he'd go back into the kitchen and straighten them and my mum would go out and she'd move it and move one pin to the point where he took the pins out the board because we were doing it so often to find him up. Eventually, I had to actually take the notice board and hide it. <laughs> the thing was, every time we went in the kitchen, you could see his eyes looking towards the door of they've done it again. <laughs> I can't. Eat, I'm not. I can't even eat um, skittles. Skittles or M and M's because you didn't notice that until I showed <laughs> you. He sits there with a handful of sweets, okay. and if they're coloured sweets, he'll go through them. They're all identical in size, maybe different colours, and he will eat them in a colour order. So he all the orange ones and then all the green ones. If he's got nuts of any kind, he'll actually flick through the nuts, which are all identical, until he finds one he likes. There were all the whole ones before the half. Oh, yes. And he didn't notice this until I pointed it out to him, and then he's really self-conscious. God, I sound so mean. But i got to have some fun with him. Of course, of course. Does Ronnie have anything like that? Any unusual um, patterns of behavior? Yes, he has favorite everything. He has his favorite coffee mug. He has his favorite tea mug. He has his um, favorite pillow and, um, you know, favorite this, favorite that. So, you know, just like a child, they have their favorite things. But yeah. he will only drink his tea in tea mugs that are his favorite. And the same thing with his coffee. He has a big glass um, mug with a handle and he has his coffee in that. Nothing else will do. Take take new blankie for Ron <laughs> when I go over. Don't be so mean, or I'll let him loose on you. <laughs> He's not here to defend himself. That's fine, but I'll he get just made a comment from the living room. I bet he did. Oh, <laughs> I know. Can repeat it on air? Yeah, I know somebody who's going to be listening to the playback to make sure we haven't dropped him in it. We'd never drop him in it. Wouldn't dare. He's too nice. Can hear you. He can hear me. Sorry, he's horrible. He just loves to tease, and the thing with with Ronnie is, you get to a point where you just want to smack the heck out of him. You know, teasing <laughs> is fine to a certain point, and after that, it's yeah. just enough is enough. You're thinking of the Saturday evening at Spirit Quest, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> People are lining up in the kitchen. I'm going to kill him in a minute. He <laughs> uh, can stand anything but being ignored. So that's why he... That's worth knowing. What, just everyone turn their backs on him? Yeah. That'd be cruel. I work that. Work at what? Now, in fairness, he wasn't well this year. Uh, last year. This year. And, right. uh, yeah, he was going through his... Um, he, he, he was having a very difficult... <coughs> time um, and had a, right through the build up through it and uh, you know how he, how he managed to hold the whole thing together um, and still make the most successful of all of the spirit quests we've, we've done so far and put up with you that's the easy part convention isn't it is everything's nice and tidy anyway <laughs> <laughs> 
Every notice board in that building was straightened. And all the oh. pins. Oh, no, no, this year we had a lady who, who hammered nails into the plaster wall. Uh, I could not believe that. <laughs> Why did she do that? We don't know. <laughs> she, had, she had these terrible, terrible pictures that she'd done. And then she, she might be listening to this. I don't care. She had these terrible pictures that she painted herself and she was offering them for sale at ridiculous, ludicrous prices. So she decided to turn the corridor into an art gallery for her work. Um, and she brought along some one-inch tacks yeah. and a hammer. Now, these walls are just bare plaster. Well, it was now, by the time she'd finished, it was bare plaster with chunks missing out of it, one-inch tacks driven into it, oh and gosh. these pictures. I'll tell you how bad the pictures were, or how abstractly random these pictures were. After we'd got over the shock of the destroyed walls that looked like somebody had taken a shotgun to them, I actually hung several of her pictures on, on the wall, rehung them upside down. Nobody noticed. And she didn't notice. They <laughs> <laughs> uh, hung there for three days upside down. In fact, I think two of them sold whilst they were upside down. There we are. Well, you found the perfect way of her marketing Which was when we realised that blind people had been coming to Spirit Quest. <laughs> You certainly meet some interesting characters, either by doing the work like the gentlemen do or being dragged into the work like we do. Oh, we do. I mean, it's a, I mean I'd say 90% of the people we meet are lovely and nice, and you have that 1%, they're just a little bit out there. And, um, and most of the time, even those out there people are okay, but there's like one-tenth of a percent... They really are strange. Yeah. Do you know, do you know, it's a funny thing. You always tend to remember that 10% more. Mm. Um, when, you, when you think back to an event that you go to or a place that you visit, you don't remember the 90%, the normal people, however charming and pleasant they were. You remember the cuckoos and the weirdos and the wackos and the oddballs. Do you remember the ones who put Play-Doh around a table because they thought if you put your fingers on the Play-Doh, you'd leave a fingerprint in it? I remember them. I remember All the, the ping, ping pong, pong balls. balls in the bowl of water. Yes. Um, the ping pong balls hanging from the ceiling of the haunted room. All manner of crazy, crazy weird people. The haunted ashtray. The dollar tree, the dollar store ghost hunter that we had at Spirit Quest a couple of years ago from Tennessee. Um, yeah, great. great. I mean, that's one of the great joys of doing what I do um, is meeting is meeting people because essentially, you know, you. you you are studying a human experience, and that means people. And, you know, you see a broad diversity of, of personalities, of people, of beliefs. And it's interesting when you're sitting, I don't know whether you're usually in the thick of it, Jan, or whether, like me, you tend to be sat towards the back. Right, I'm usually on the outskirts. Yeah, but seeing people interacting with, for you, Ron and me, Steve... It's like a mini-celebrity like mini situation going on and these people almost swooning over it. Exactly, Kat. Exactly. It does happen a lot. Really? Uh, tonks. Oh, yeah. Yes, thank you. 
Fortunately, we're going to run out of time. Yeah, because you have to wait a whole year for that one, because fortunately we're about to run out of time. So what are the plans for Christmas? I, I don't think we're going to have time to do it tonight. We've got two minutes to go. Yeah, I don't think we'll be able to get that in either employee. We've never been able to do it. Every year we try. We can, we we can do the last uh, stanza. Uh, Happy with, Christmas to all. No, he spoke, <laughs> beginning with, he spoke not a word, but went straight to his work. And filled the stockings, then turned with a jerk and lay his finger aside his nose. And giving a nod of the chimney, he rose. He sprang to a sleigh, to his team gave a whistle. And away they all flew like the down of a thistle. All of us better heard him explain. Same, he drove out of sight. Happy Christmas, Christmas to all, into all a good a night. Good night. And that concludes The Nightmare Before Christmas, The Ghost Chronicles special Christmas edition when St. Jan and the Lady Catherine take over the airwaves. Normal service will hopefully be resumed next week. <laughs> well, Kat, it's been a lot of fun. It has. It's been very quiet to your end. Nice. Nice to <laughs> have you it in. Yeah, you know Ronnie's sick when he, you know, he can't even interject anything, so... Oh. Well, I hope he's better for the festive season. You must be normally past post-it notes under the door. I thought I heard it then. No, you didn't. It was just it was the bear in the attic. It was the bear in the attic. Yeah, I'm going to have to explain that one day. You are, yes. Anyway, um, Merry Christmas to everybody. Have a great time, and we'll talk to you after the holidays. Will do. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Love to you two. Okay. Christmas. And the boys. Merry Christmas, Ron. I know you can hear me. Oh, he's, he's walking in here. I think we're off. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good Lord.